0: Uh, we're in a message series as we're about to wind up next weekend on the book of Romans. It's called Saved to be a Disciple. We've talked about how salvation is given to us by faith in Christ, God's grace given to us, our faith in God for that beautiful work of God for us, so we mark that. And then our response to being saved is becoming a disciple. Choosing to follow Christ is what a disciple is, living the way he teaches us living that out in our faith and our promises, our lifestyle, our choices, certainly what we do in and as part of the church. So we're in the middle of that today. Today we're expressly talking about the church itself. I'll talk more about what that means here in the message, but I want to begin with a sharing a, a names for churches. There's all kinds of things that we name churches. We're, we're First United Methodist Church or First Methodist Church is how we call ourselves. We're also the first church across the street from Super Walmart. Uh, that's how we tell people where we are. And then, oh, yeah, I've seen you. Uh, you're that big one over there. Oh, yeah, that's who we are. And they, they find us that way as well. But I'm going to show you some, some church signs, names of churches that are out there in our country today. Here's a few of them. First one is Run For Your Life International Chapel. Now, that's the name of a church, isn't it? And you decide what you think that means, Run For Your Life. Another church sign name is Halfway Baptist Church. Uh, Now, I'm guessing that's the name of the community, I suppose. But still, you would think they might have changed it somewhere, and it's probably 100-year history. Next church name is Little Hope Baptist Church, <laughs> and I think, you know, sometime when you're in it, you just don't see it. You attend every week, you live in the community, you're not aware the, how the term Little Hope might sound for someone driving by or a first-time guest. Uh, next name. <laughs> <laughs> now, we had someone in our church say, that's in Arkansas, and I drive by that town all the time. So it's the name of a little town Arkansas. I'm going to make no Arkansas jokes here, but again, you know, when they called it that maybe 80 years ago, it didn't sound quite the way it does today, but we won't make any jokes. I thought of several right then. I'm not saying any of them. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Church of Uncertain. Uh, again, not a good name for a church, but it's the name of that church. And I believe that's all the ones I have pictures of, but a few others that are real church names that uh, you might recognize. Uh, you can take that last picture off, Cam. Uh, David Killed Goliath Ministries. <laughs> Satan Is In Trouble Church. Uh, high Tension Ministries. Uh, guided Missile Church. I think they have a very clear, narrow focus of what they do as a church is all I can think of with Guided Missile Church. Here's a long name. Go and tell Ahab that Elijah is here, church. You have to know that Old Testament story in Kings and Chronicles to make sense out of that one. Trigger Happy Ministries. Uh, That's an NRA church is my guess. I don't know, but funny to me. Fist of Fury Church. Bruce Lee attended there when he was living. Fist of Fury Church, I don't know who Bruce Lee is. Uh, 815, someone came up and said, there's a church in my where I grew up uh, that's uh, in West Virginia, and it's by an area where they have a bottom holler, they call it. A holler there, kind of a, a valley, and they call it the, the, the bottom holler. And the name of that church is, see if I get it right, uh, Big Bottom Missionary Baptist Church. <laughs> Sandy Henson gets credit for that one because that's a church that she knows back in her home area. You know now when we came time to think about this church's address we originally were on, on, on Pleasant Ridge Drive so it was 608 Pleasant Ridge Drive. That's how we knew who we are and uh, when it came time to, to build and expand uh, we got access to Walnut Creek at that time North Walnut Creek. Uh, But we helped build the light with Walmart. We built it around the same time we built this before they did. And when we got that light, we paid for part of it, they paid part of it, and we named it together with my insistence. We would name it together. They didn't want to. And so it's Saving Place Drive there. But our address now is 777 North Walnut Creek Drive. We like that better. We decided 666 North Walnut Creek Drive wasn't a good name for a church. (laughs) We went 777 North Walnut Creek Drive. There's all kinds of ways we identify ourselves, and sometimes we can see it simply as a destination. I go to this church on this location. I go to. I attend. My membership is there. I belong. It's that one across from Super Walmart, or it's Whatever. And yet, when we read the Bible, especially Romans, we discover the church is not that at all. It's far more than that. It really is a people. And to help you, help me, and you connect with what the church really is, as the Bible defines it, I just want you to stand where you are. Will you stand for me today? Just you stood a little while ago. Stand it for me, would you? Now I want you to shake hands with people around you. Shaking hands with the church. Just shake hands with the church for a while. This is the church. Some people you know, some people you don't. This is the church. You are looking at, talking to, shaking hands with, smiling, saying a few words, being a little bit shy maybe around the church. Now that you're done, you can sit back down. But I want you to think about the church in a real visible, tangible sense of people way because that is what the Bible says the church is. Now we're going to define it as, the, as, as Romans teaches us this, so we might connect with it better ourselves. And I have a thought I want to begin with that funds some of the message. Too often, we bring the world's lessons into the church, rather than taking the church's lessons into the world. I'll we'll leave that up there for a while. We learn things in our world; we learn them well. We learn to survive. We learn to function. We learn to succeed or try to succeed. We learn to get by. We have all kinds of lessons we learn in the world that we live in, in all kinds of areas, ways, events. Sometimes they're formal learning things. Sometimes they're very, very informal learning things. But we learn lessons in a secular world. The world is not a Christian world. It has Christians in it, but it's not a Christian world the world is not the church. It has churches in it, communities like this in it, but it is not uh, the church. And so we, we bring those lessons into play here sometime, and that's a mistake. My, uh, I have a, a friend who I helped bring into ministry many years ago. When I was a young pastor, he was even younger, and I helped him in the process, kind of a mentor to him. He attended my church. Uh, he went to college and seminary to do all the ministry stuff. And I remember talking to him when he got his first church, and his first church was a small rural church, and typically Methodist pastors start with small rural congregations. I did. Uh, uh, he did. Uh, there's about 20,000 small Methodist churches, so you can imagine you're going to be going there when you begin, and he did. And I called and said, how did it go for the first day? I knew how excited he was. He's going to go in there, preach his first sermon, and meet the church family, about 60 or 70 people there, have a great time. That's what, that's what he anticipated. But here's what happened. Uh, he got there early to greet everybody and smile, this young face that he had. And he, he went down uh, to the, the, the small church, at his middle uh, section, and shook people's hands, going side by side, side by side. He got about halfway and saw, oh, it's time for church to start. And so he came back up uh, and he did the service. Well, he discovered other people told him that there was a family, a big family at the back, that left. And they not only left the service, they'd been there for a number of years, they left the church his first day. Why? He did not shake their hand too. He said, well, I ran out of time. I didn't know what to do. He, but they, they, they left right then. Now, let me ask, Now, I want to say three things that I think make the church work. Because by the way, the church should not work. You know, it it shouldn't work when you think about it, what we are and how we gather together and how we raise our money to pay our bills and do our ministry. It shouldn't work, but it does. Why does it work? Here's why. First, we each bend a knee to Jesus Christ. The Psalms today really fit that well. We bend the knee to Jesus Christ. That family in the back said, hey, we have world rules here. You should bend the knee to us, and he didn't. He didn't understand how important they were. He should have started at the back, and they, they needed him to say they're important. And so they left because they saw their world in a different way. He did not bend the knee to us. They didn't understand it was about bending the knee to Christ. Well, secondly, we know how to forgive. It's the number two reason the church works. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is always part of life. In fact, in fact, there's no, and I say it often, there's no relationship that works without forgiveness. Either forgiving big things or just day by day little things. Forgiveness is a recurring part of every long-term relationship, including what makes the church the church. And number three, we are each committed to the mission, the mission of Christ. Scott mentioned our mission. We're committed to that. We, We believe in that. We bought into that. We want that to happen. That's bigger than we are, and so we're dedicated to it together as the body of Christ the people who gathered together, who you shook some of their hands, smiled, and said a few words, maybe introduce yourself if you didn't know them already. That's how the church works. Now, with the story that I told, uh, I want to look at the four verses quickly uh, that you heard read a minute ago. Here's what it says: verse, chapter 12, verse 9, first. Love must be sincere or genuine. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Now, I'm not gonna talk about that one. I want, to be, I want it to look as simple as it is. Genuine love, hating evil, holding on to good. It's so what we do. That is our emphasis, our focus, our driving sense of being, a people of God who gather together, whether we interact directly with each other or the church interacts with our world, and we do that in all kinds of ways. Okay, the second verse, verse 10. Be devoted, devoted to one another in brotherly or sisterly love, Honor one another above yourself. That's the church's rules. That's not the world's rules. When I go out there, the world honors me everywhere I go, especially restaurants. They want you to come back. They honor you a lot. They honor me at the movie theater. They want me to come back. Uh, the only place that will honor me is the driver's license, but that's a whole other place. Uh, that's funny to me. But they do everywhere else. Uh, but the church is different. We honor each other in a unique relationship, friendship we have meant to need a Christ way, which is different than what the world does. Uh, thirdly, uh, 12, 11, and 12, never be lacking in zeal. That means being enthusiastic, excited about the work of the church. Keep your spiritual fervor. Serve the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Uh, Pastor David said last night, and I'll say what he said. Now, that's hard. <laughs> that's not an easy list of things to do and you won't get it done before breakfast. And I'll add to that, it's a life choice, lifestyle choice, patient in affliction. Oh boy, excited about what the church is doing. That's a lot to stay excited about that. Uh, Finding myself in a place uh, where where I'm, I'm joyful in the hope that I have in God in my life and staying close to that, and faithful, faithful. Uh, This is simply the advice given about the church, people we gather together in the name of Christ. And 12, 13, share with one another, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. So those who are in need, we serve those who, who need our help. All the ways help is needed in life, we practice hospitality. And this church is all about sharing and service. We're so great about that. I got to meet with the city manager this week about some things we were talking about there in his office. And he, he reminded me, First Methodist Church is so uh, such an important part about this community and service and helping and ministering and mission. We don't know who we are really without uh, your church. As I was getting ready to leave, I am sitting out in the hallway. And a, a lady who didn't go to our church, he does, uh, came by. And, and she said, and I said, I know, who, know, know her. So I said, thanks for what you do in our community, and she said, hey, back at you. She said, your church and your people make such a difference around here. I want, you to, I want to say thank you to you. So I appreciate that kind of affirmation of who we are as God's people. Then it says, practice hospitality. And that's the hardest thing that we have to do because we are overwhelmed with nothing, typically. What that means for me is that much of our lives, might include or are dominated by things that are not that important. Little things that don't matter very much take over our life all the time. Sometimes I wonder, how did that happen? How did that take over? But it did. And pregnant hospitality not, doesn't just mean that I, I say hi or shake someone's hand or welcome someone. What it means is I make room for them in my life. And it's hard to do because we're too busy. We're too dominated by things that don't matter To make room for the things that do matter is a constant battle if we intend on doing that, to allow room for other people in our lives because typically our lives we get in play to where we think it's manageable for us and then we stop and that's it, no room for you. It's how we approach the world we live in and we think we're being hospitable. The reality is we have to make room for others by eliminating things from our lives that allow room for people because everything that matters in life comes from a relationship, which I've said often in this church. That's what that verse is saying to us as well. That's the nature of the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. Now three questions. What does real, authentic community look like? What does it look like? Well, it certainly means this, that everyone is of equal value, and that's the church. And there's no organization in the world like that other than the church, because the world values people all kinds of different ways, how much money you have, uh, or how, uh, how much power you had, uh, how much fame you have, what you look like. That's how our world values people, but the church is different. Everyone is of equal value in the body of people that we call the church. You know, we're made of the exact same stuff. I think about that sometime. That even though we might think we're individuals or we're independent, as none like us. Well, maybe there's some truth in that. We're unique in some ways, but hey, most of us are pretty much alike. In fact, again, we're made of the exact same stuff. the Same chemicals, the same carbon elements, all the same. We're just the same. God made us out of the same dirt as we have to hear the story in Genesis. And here we are. That's how God made us. We have the exact same needs. Everyone needs. None of us is independent from need. We all have needs. Every single person. We we need to be loved. And we are loved by the same God who created each one of us and values us each exactly the same. And he wants us to do the very same thing. We want deeply to be understood. We want to be accepted. We want to find a place. We want to make a difference and have a purpose. We, we, want people, uh, we want people around us to recognize that we exist. We all have the same needs where we are a people who have redefined treasure and value around each other. And that's family and friendships, other people in our life, and certainly the church community. And that changes how the world is for us and how we live our lives. In fact, the Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels that we know it's of God. Because we are broken people, but we see a treasure of grace and love and forgiveness there. It says there's God in that, in those, in them. Helps us understand the biblical truth in this way as God came to restore us to that kind of relationship that was lost in the Garden of Eden because of, well, sin. Uh, So we hear that. Now I also want to add to this uh, one of the issues I think we have today, uh, that because of the internet uh, and Facebook and the curse of just 24-hour day news, we are so overwhelmed with the the at-large world that we live in, and somehow we think that's our world. We think that our world is Iraq or Afghanistan. or some. some, We think that's our world. Now we're called upon to serve and bless everyone we can, but that's really not our world as a whole. Our world is the people we interact with every day. We find ourselves so overwhelmed by the big world, the world at large, we miss the world where life is lived, which is this world, where we serve God and actually make changes. Because when hearts are changed, the world has changed one person at a time, and with, if all churches would do that, the world would be changed, what we're called upon to do. What does authentic community look like? Second question, what does real love have to do with it? What does real love have to do with it? One of the things that every pastor gets to do a lot of is marriage, pre-marriage counseling especially. A few weeks go by that I don't meet with a couple that I'm going to do a wedding for. And we talk about lots of things and we do that. And one of the things I mention often, uh, probably should mention every time, but mention it quite often is this. I'll say things like, uh, I bet you all are getting married because you love each other. So far, everybody said yes. No one has said no to that one. Uh, I'm waiting for the time they say, oh, no, that's not us. You know, we have other reasons. But so far, everybody, oh, yeah, yeah, we love each other. And you all like each other? Oh, yeah, we like each other, you know. Uh, and you like being together? Oh, yeah, we like being together. And uh, you like some of the same things? Oh, yeah, we like these kind of movies. Or we like Italian food or pizza or whatever else, you know. They have all kind of reasons why they like each other and love each other, want to get married and be together. And I'll say to them, well, that just, that's not enough. Look at you like, what planet are you on, Pastor Mike? Uh, I'll say this. Uh, we misunderstand, misinterpret what love really is. This is not a marriage uh, sermon, but it does apply to marriage in this respect. People get married typically because they're infatuated with each other. They're infatuated, and infatuation, studies have shown, can last no longer than three years. That's maximum years for infatuation. Sometimes it can't last more than the weekend, you know, but it can't go any further than three years. And so what happens is people get into three years and say, I don't love them anymore. What they mean is I'm not infatuated anymore. Now it's time to keep a promise. Uh, now it's time to, for dedication and commitment. Now it's time for a much deeper sense of what love really is in a promise and a life lived for someone else in a way that grows far beyond just we like pizza we both like pizza and the church is the same way love in our culture is defined in intangible way in intangible ways that means we just don't even know what it is uh, it's interpreted so many ways by the music industry, by the movie industry, and you end up with uh, who knows what love really is. According to the world outside the church, That tells us, when the, 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 the biblical truth, the book of Romans, a Christian church, defines love in a tangible way. Hear me now. That tangible way is to the cross in the middle of our church, the cross back there as well. And I thought about doing this literally. I chose not to. I thought the image would be too graphic for you. I thought about bringing a a gallon or a gallon and a half of of red grape juice here and saying that is how much blood is in the human body. And that Jesus, God's son, died on the cross and you typically die on the cross through bleeding out. Six hours, eight hours, a day, two days. Slowly, your blood simply leaves your body and the body just finally gives up. Uh, And that's what happened to Jesus. God's Son crucified for us. He bled a gallon, a gallon and a half of blood down that wood into the dirt below there. Now, that is as tangible as you can get. That's real. That's sacrificial. Uh, that's the giving of oneself. That's service. That's saving. And that's central to the church of Jesus Christ. And that is the center of all those who have, as I begin the message today, bent the knee to Jesus Christ. And it changes what it means when it says here in Romans, honor one another, be devoted to one another. May your love be sincere. May your love be genuine. May your love be tangible and not intangible may it be tangible in how we deal with one another and serve our world together. And that's a call God has upon us in the book of Romans and all the journey of the Christian faith. Well, the third question, why is community a critical part of discipleship? Why is community a critical part of discipleship? Discipleship again is following Jesus Christ, Well, here's what Barnabas Piper says, and he actually wrote this in a a series, in a blog, where he talks about why I still go to church, why I don't quit, like many people have. He says this, We were created by God to connect with others, and in that connection, reveal more of Him to each other and to the world. When we depart, we deprive ourselves of those aspects of God others reflect and we, just try, we deprive others of those aspects of God we reflect with each other. You know, and again, I'm going to use a marriage illustration. Again, not, this sermon is not about marriage, but it really applies and you can understand what I'm talking about. Uh, and I've been married for 40 years this year. Uh, and marriage takes you places you would never go if you were not married. Uh, adventures and life and change and, and it's a positive thing when we understand it that way. In fact, uh, uh, this weekend, I went with my wife and uh, we went shopping and went to a place uh, called, if I get it right, Bath and, what's it, Bath and Beyond, it Bath and Body Works, Bath and Body Works. We went to Bath and Body Works together, spent about, oh, 40 minutes there, I would say. I'm guessing it seemed like 40 hours, but only 40 minutes. <laughs> at uh, Bath and Body Works, you know, so we went there shopping, uh, and I still, have, I still have my masculinity card, I think, I hope, after being there, and I walked in the door, and I think I'm funny when I go places like that, Ron, it's just, shh, shh. I just can't stop myself from talking, and so I walk in the door, and they meet me at the door, and say, what well, can you help me with it? I help with? Do you have any facial cleanser, please? You know, <laughs> looked at me like, you know, and I said, I'm just kidding. She said, good, we, you know, and, and then later on, I said, where's the men's section, you know, and they really have one there. They really do took me over to the wall. There's a place about this big in that place. That's the men's section. Everything else is not for men. But right there is the men's section. So, so we had to buy three or four or five things to meet the quantity for the sale price. Uh, I don't know what the price was, but it was a sale price. So I found some ocean smelling body wash. I said, why do you like this? She said, yes. So if I smell better this morning, that's why. So so here's the illustration. The fact I'm married makes me smell better. <laughs> and if I wasn't married and didn't have someone take me outside my comfort zone, I would stink this morning. <laughs> okay? Now now let's go with the church, if, we, if it's possible. Let's go with the church. You will go places you will never go otherwise. You'll hear things you would never hear otherwise. You'll be called to do things you would never do otherwise. You'll be forced to be in play in ways to consider and think about it and deal with issues you would never ever deal with if you weren't part of a church community and understand where that goes. And you are different and better because you come to church and you connect in this community and you can be even better. If you hear that call, that you're doing is you give that to others, they get to give that to you. And I see how my life's defined by my, my interact with the church all these years, things I never thought that I would be a part of because I'm part of a church. And people's lives I connect with, I would never connect with otherwise, like the city manager who were friends. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have that relationship, but he was not a member of our church. He'd become a friend through the years. So, so you hear that as well. Now I want to make uh, another illustration uh, along, that applies like the first one. Uh, we're getting ready, by the way, to connect with a, a city half marathon, uh, 5K, and one mile fun run, uh, which is called uh, the Run with Heart, which is with Methodist Hospital here. Uh, and um, we have a team, if you're interested in that at all, for the 5K, one mile, and the half marathon. If you want to sign up to do that, go right ahead. Uh, it is, I'm wearing the shirt uh, that we're going to give to those in our church who run with this or walk. You can walk as well. Uh, again, one, one mile, 5K, half marathon. I'm, do the, I'm doing the half marathon. Uh, so is Caesar. We're doing it together. He ran nine miles this weekend. <laughs> Would you run mine nine miles two years ago? No. At 300 and what, 70 pounds? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> but he is But he is today. That's a pretty big deal, I think. So, uh, but nonetheless, we have that happening. Uh, and if you'd like to do that, join us. And if you do, I'll give you one of these shirts. If you run the 5K or one mile, uh, if you uh, run the uh, half marathon, we'll give you a tech shirt, which is a shirt that's better for running long miles for those who who know what that really means. So uh, that's that's for you if you'd like to do that. Sign up, check First Methodist Church on the team, and I'll know you're going. We'll make sure you get a shirt. But here's why I'm saying all this, uh, that this works in regard to, first, participation, just like the church. Having a purpose. This is about run with heart. And I'm committed to the heart concerns because I had a heart procedure there at that hospital that saved my life two years ago. So they asked me to do, be part of it. I said, yes, sir, I'm coming. I'll be part of that. Number three, perseverance. Not giving up. And it's, it's about that beginning. Now, for health, it's always good to, to run or walk. So it's a good thing to do just for health's sake. That's a plus and a positive thing. But the church also has the same kind of journey, and I'll explain that in a second, but first I want to tell you a sec- another story about a fellow, because it's an amazing story. His name is uh, Faja Singh. I think I got the last name right, first name, not positive, Faja Singh, uh, and he ran uh, the London Marathon a year ago. Ran it seven, uh, seven hours and one minute, I believe, which is a world record for him, uh, because it's a world record for his age group because he is 100 years old. He's run many marathons. In fact, he holds the world record in almost every category of runs at his age. And also the 95 to 100 group as well. Not, well, not many of them, but, you know, he's a legend in running circles because of what he does. And here's the, here's the kicker that I really like about his story. He began running when he was guess. 89 years old when was when he began. I like the story because I have no idea where you are in your place in the Church of Jesus Christ. I don't know where you are. Maybe you're at the marathon stage. I am so connected with these people around me and serving and loving and giving and all the things that make the church a church. Now, you're half marathon, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm very involved, very, uh, I have so many people I connect, you know, I'm a part of this ministry and this service, maybe, maybe you're at 5K level, you know, maybe you're at that place where you're thinking, hey, I'm getting it going, maybe you're walk running, somebody's got to start somewhere, I started walk running a mile, that's why I started two and a half years ago, walk running, walk running, I still walk run sometimes, hot days especially, maybe you're at the one mile fun run stage, don't raise your hand if you're there, but there are people here at the One Mile Fun And some have never, ever started at all. You come to church. You know you're supposed to. Or someone near you says, I need you to come. Come whether you like it or not. I don't know. But somewhere it's got to be I've made a, I'm making a decision. I have decided I'm going to be a part of, uh, you have to sign up going on uh, mansfieldrunwiththeheart.org. I'm going to go home and I'm going to look at Heart.org. I'm going to look it up and I'm going to sign up and I'm going to be First Methodist team. I'm going to get a shirt and I'm going to do something. I'm going to walk the one mile. Maybe one day I'll be able to run the 5K. Same way with the church. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to start. I'm going to be here next Sunday. I'm going to quit coming every other week. I'm going to start coming twice a week. I'm going to start coming every Sunday. I'm going to be here every I'm going to be here. You know, and the way it starts, then develop that beyond that as you listen to where God leads you. If he leads you to uh, Bath and Body Works, well, someplace you've never been before, maybe that's where he wants you to go. Joke aside. But maybe something somebody, somebody you never thought about doing, never thought about going, never thought about buying, but it'll make you smell better. You know, who knows where God is leading you in your life, but you have to begin and say, okay, I, I'm going to quit sitting on square. I'm going to start. I'm going to go. And that's the thought I have with that last part, Why is community, a critical part of discipleship. It's where God works. Young, old, rich, poor, successful, failures, health, sick, addictions, beginning, dying, black, white, sinners and sinners and sinners. All in the context of our native Jesus Christ, all the same. It's impossible to really connect with the, with, the, with discipleship without being part of the community we call the Church of Jesus Christ. That's where it's about the soul of the world, but the soul, our own soul, and the souls of those around us. That's a very simple word for today about the Church. We bow with me in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've given us this morning and your word, in the word of the book of Romans, and your word about your church, and your word about worship. We've appreciated God's worship today. We've been blessed, God, by being here this morning. Now, God, speak to us what our next steps should be, should we step up to a little bit more, a little bit more in our life in this church, maybe for some of us just coming next week, coming two weeks in a row. Maybe some Lord is signing up for Financial Peace University all the legacy part of financial peace. Maybe others that's heading out the door and stopping for a minute and visiting with someone we've, we've wondered about who they are and know more about them and ask how their family is. Some of us think, may God, maybe that's what you want us to do. Uh, some of us, this, this may be simply making a commitment right now. God, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna belong to this church. We're going to dedicate ourselves to it commit ourselves to the people around us, be devoted to the call you have upon us to love genuinely as you love us. That's my prayer for all of us today in Jesus' name. Amen.